Hey everybody, Josh Peck here. Hope you are doing well. As many of you know, a while ago I made a short film about my son Nathan's journey uh, in battling cancer. He is now six years old. He just turned six. Uh, he was five years old at the time of that uh, short film. Uh, and I actually, uh, the main person being interviewed in the film is uh, Nathan's mother, my wife, uh, Christina Peck. And we actually did an hour-long interview. Um, so I wanted to give you guys uh, the whole uh, uncut I interview uh, from the film. Uh, and also, I wanted to mention, if you want to help Nathan, um, we do have to spend the holidays away from home. Uh, he needs treatments at the hospital, so it's kind of a stressful situation for our family. But, you know, we're hanging in there. We're doing okay. Uh, but if you do want to help... Um, Financially, uh, prayers, of course, are always uh, appreciated. If you wanted to help financially, there's a link in the description below. Just go to dailyrenegade.com slash donate. There's several options there on uh, how you can help. Uh, that would be greatly appreciated. In case you haven't seen the short, um, I think it's about six or seven minutes long, uh, the short film uh, that I made, I'll play that for you right now. Here it is. <laughs> This is fine. Nathan is a spunky five-year-old boy. He loves to jump around, dance, wrestle. He's all boy. Nathan loves puzzles. He loves playing games like Tetris and Fruit Ninja. Nathan's favorite subject is Bible. He's learning Bible verses. He absolutely, 100% loves Jesus. I wish that Nathan had his spunk and energy and was able to have fun all the time. <coughs> Nathan feels nauseous a lot, gets ill quite a bit. He won't have enough energy or strength to make it up the stairs to his own bed. And so he will lay on the closest thing to the restroom which happens to be a single theater chair. And he won't have enough energy to make it to the couch, one of the couches that are located right next to it. And this is just a small example of what our new normal has been since Nathan was diagnosed with cancer. Nathan was diagnosed with ALL T-cell leukemia. He was born with it. When I finally heard those words. I thought, no, this is not my life. This is not real. This is not happening to my five-year-old boy. I just sat there and what seemed like forever, and then I just broke down. I had to have that moment with God where I had to say, thank you for five years, if that's it. Thank you. Me being 35 weeks pregnant at this time, I was exhausted. I was in shock. I was about to give birth to uh, our youngest, Lily. So we were expecting child number four in the midst of all of this. Having the three kids and one with cancer, you would think adding a fourth would be chaotic. And somehow, Lily made everything easier. She just brought so much joy. At the time when she was born, Nathan was admitted in the hospital for a bacterial infection. And a couple days later, he was released and he was able to come by and see Lily. When he walked into the room, he just, his eyes lit up. He was so excited to see her. He cried. He cried to see his baby sister. April 4th which happens to be our oldest daughter's birthday, we received a call. Nathan was in remission. I mean, they could not find any cancer in his body. 
And the only thing Jackie wanted for her birthday was for her brother to be cancer free. I remember crying and going to Jackie and saying, your birthday wish came true, honey. Your, your brother doesn't have, he can't find any cancer anymore. And that night we celebrated and it was the first time in a really long time where we all had a great day. Even though Nathan is in remission, it doesn't mean that he's completely out of the woods yet. And if you stop with treatments after you're in remission, you can relapse within six months to a year. In order to prevent that from happening, they do something called maintenance therapy. And we have to be very careful with Nathan's temperature. Make sure it doesn't go over 100.5. If it's over 100.5, he needs to go to the hospital. Even the common cold is very dangerous for him because his immune system is very compromised. He goes in every week for treatments. Sometimes he has a spinal tap to make sure that there's no more cancer in the brain. Every Monday, it's a different routine. So either he just goes in for a blood test and that's it, Sometimes we're there from 9.45 to 5 o'clock in the evening. There have been times where we, we were admitted for a couple days, depending on what the treatment entails. As Nathan's mother, I see all of these obstacles that Nathan has to go through to get to the end. I see it as a, an awesome learning opportunity for him as hard as this is on all of us. I believe God is preparing Nathan for something amazing. When others hear his story of the journey that he's been through, I believe it will touch them in a way and strengthen their faith, or even bring others who had no faith to believe in God and see his amazing miracles that he's worked in all of our lives. Okay, so that was the short film. Now, like I said, we interviewed, uh, I, well, I interviewed Christina for over an hour. And in it, she tells the whole story of what led us up to this point. And so I wanted to show you that, that full extended interview. Um, again, it's uncut, so there's no, there's no B-roll or anything with it. It's, it's just Christina telling the story. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it, it's compelling. I think she did a great job. And a lot of you want to know all the details of what exactly is going on. So I'm going to play that for you. Again, if you want to help, there are links in the description below. Just go to dailyrenegade.com slash donate. And you can donate there. Anything that you can donate will will really help out a lot uh, and would be greatly appreciated because this is obviously a very expensive uh, venture that we're on. Um, and, you know, of course, prayers, encouragement, all that stuff is greatly appreciated. And uh, we love you guys. So thank you so much. Uh, for considering to help us through this holiday season. Again, we're having to spend Christmas and New Year's away from home. Uh, we're in, in Memphis for Nathan's treatments. So uh, it, 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 we're either going to have to spend Christmas in our rental apartment uh, here in Memphis, or we're going to have to spend it in a hospital room with Nathan, depending how the treatments uh, pan out. But either way, um, we're, we're in we're in this for a few more years. So even if you're watching this and it's after the time of recording, even if it's a year later, you can still help because this is going to, this is our lives for a few years. Um, so anyway, again, links in the description below. Thank you so much. Uh, here is the extended interview with, uh, Christina, uh, from the film. Nathan is a spunky five-year-old boy who's always loved to jump around, dance, wrestle. He's all boy. Uh, everything he's ever done um, has been, he's done with such great energy. And one of his favorite things to do is to pretend that he's an animal of some sort. Uh, a lot of it, a lot of times he pretends he, he's a cat. Nathan has the sense of humor of 
Any typical boy, if you think about what little boys like to joke around about, like mud and dirt and other things. I think Nathan is different from other kids in the sense that he's a lot more sensitive uh, than other even boys his age. Uh, he's very, if he knows he really did something wrong, he feels really bad. He feels really bad and he gets very um, apologetic and, and he's, he's very literal. Nathan's very literal. If you joke around with him and have fun, if he doesn't know you very well, he'll think that you're making fun of him. Uh, or he's, you're being mean or something. Uh, it takes a while. Even when he was a little, uh, really young, and we would joke around with Nathan, sometimes he thought we were being mean instead of just playing around. And it took him some time to realize, oh, this is how you joke and have fun. Nathan is extremely bright. and He is off the charts. Uh, everywhere we've gone on before this journey we've been on, he's in public, people would notice how bright he is, how smart he is, talking about different shapes. He's five and a half now, but even before, uh, he, he would be out at a restaurant and he'd be talking about shapes and numbers and he'd be saying his alphabet when he was three years old and it it's, he's extremely bright. He has taught himself uh, military time, and he now knows how to read an analog clock. Uh, he knows multiplication, some multiplication tables. He knows addition, he knows subtraction. And he knows how he's learning how to read very well, and, uh, and he's learning handwriting. Homeschooling Nathan is, he makes it very simple at times. Uh, at first it was challenging because when I first gave Nathan his kindergarten assessment, he told me it was baby stuff. And so I decided that I was going to get um, the Abeka homeschooling program and get DVDs with it. And uh, Abeka is a little bit more advanced. I found growing up I was homeschooled and I used Abeka and I figured probably help challenge him some since they teach the handwriting and cursive and uh, more phonics uh, than oh. I ever learned in, in public schools. Nathan really enjoys the homeschooling. He gets one-on-one -on -one time with me, but also we watch the DVDs together where he sees an, on a teacher on there teaching an actual class. So he gets a little taste of being in the classroom. And he absolutely loves it. Not only does he hear uh, what I'm teaching him, but he receives the same information from somebody else teaching in the world. And he is able to grasp it better. Able to think, wow, okay, mom said it, it must, and this person said it, this must be true. Nathan's favorite subject is Bible. He's learning Bible verses. And there are times he uh, tells me dreams he's had, and he says, and Jesus showed up in my dream, Mom. And uh, so he absolutely, 100% loves Jesus and is always asking questions. Nathan loves puzzles. He loves playing games like Tetris. He is really big into this Woody puzzle game that and Fruit Ninja. He loves both those games very much. And uh, he loves any kind of game that makes him think, like playing Sorry or a card game, he enjoys. I wish that Nathan had his spunk and energy and was able to have fun all the time. Nathan will be playing and full of energy one moment and then the next moment he won't have enough energy to even make it up the stairs. And he uh, sometimes falls asleep wherever he is, on the floor, on the couch, on the chair. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't want to go outside and play. And 
There are times where he'll just lay around for days. And there'll be times he doesn't have enough energy or strength to make it up the stairs to his own bed. Nathan feels nauseous a lot and gets ill quite a bit. And so he will lay on the closest thing to the restroom, which happens to be a single seated chair, single seater chair. And he won't have enough energy to make it to the couch, one of the couches that are located right next to it. And this is just a small example of what our new normal has been since Nathan was diagnosed with cancer. Nathan was diagnosed with ALL T-cell leukemia back in February of 2019. It's a rare form of ALL T-cell. Uh, it was actually written into his genetic code. He was born with it. Uh, ALL T-cell is the second most common form of leukemia, but since Nathan was born, born with this type and it was written into his genetic code, it's been trickier to treat. One night in January 2019, I was cleaning Nathan up in the shower, and me being a mom, I'm always checking the kids out over, we live in Missouri, so I'm always looking for bites, spider bites, uh, tick bites, anything like that. Always looking them over when I clean them up. And it's a habit of mine, even though it's the middle of winter, I'm still looking them over, make sure they're, they're okay. Nathan was completely fine. The next day, I drop him off at his class time. And his daycare, our daycare lady also teaches preschool. So she was working with him on preschool. And a few hours later, I went to go pick him up and his lymph nodes around his neck and underneath his arms were the size of golf balls. And, uh, our daycare lady, who happens to be a very good friend of ours, uh, said that he was fine all day. Didn't see anything wrong with him. And it must have just started within the past, like, 20 minutes before I got there to her house. And I asked Nathan to open his mouth, checked his tonsils. Tonsils were not inflamed. And then I slowly took my hands, my fingers, and ran them up his arms and underneath where his armpits were. And I felt lumps. And so we took him to an area so we could look underneath his arms and lo and behold, his lump nose were like this big. And I looked at our daycare lady and she looked at me, we had no idea that this was cancer at the time, but we both were very worried. He wasn't, his lymph nodes were not swollen anywhere else, only his neck around this area and underneath his arms. Um, I immediately took him to urgent care and they directed me to the hospital saying that the, they could do a complete blood count, also known as a CBC, but they wouldn't, we, I would not receive it until 48 hours later. They said to get him into the hospital, get it done right away and get the results within an hour. I took him to the hospital, but the hospital was not um, moving quickly. They, they, we were there for two hours by this time. It was nine o'clock by uh, two hours after we arrived and we saw a triage nurse. And then afterwards, we were told it would be another six hours before we could get his blood drawn. I was very pregnant at this time. So I took Nathan and uh, we went home. And they said that I'd go to another hospital the next day, which I did. I went to a closer hospital. And there, uh, he had a CBC done. And... An hour, about an hour later, the doctor came by and said it resembled cat scratch fever. We do have two cats. They're both indoor, and, but stranger things have happened. But it was odd that Nathan be the only one affected out of the three children we had at the time. Uh, about a week and a half later, we noticed his lymph nodes were getting bigger. 
instead of decreasing in size. And the doctor said it would probably take about a month for them to decrease, but they were not decreasing in size. So I got a second opinion. I called his pediatrician, let her know the story. She got him in, uh, the next day was a Friday. It was uh, February 8th. I, and he was able to get in there. They took another CBC and ran two tests. One was for his white blood cell count, and the other was for the cat scratch fever. Being that they had to send the blood out of, out of house to a lab, I had to wait over the weekend for the results on Monday. And his symptoms changed over the weekend. He started saying, I don't want to go play with my friends. I don't, I hurt, my back, ache, my, my back aches, I feel sick. His complexion turned from fleshy to gray. And I started to notice what's called a petechiae rash, and, which is bruising underneath the skin, which is very common in many different kinds of cancers. And he would say, I'm sweating buckets at night, Mom. I'm sweating buckets. And uh, that Monday, I was with my daughter at the library, and I received a phone call that the cat that his white blood cell count was abnormally high but she did not have the results for the cat scratch fever yet later that evening <clears throat> monday the 11th of february uh, i about six o'clock p.m i received a call from his pediatrician saying that cat scratch came back negative and that I'd be receiving a call from a, a hospital nearby, uh, oncology, and to get him in immediately. The next morning, February 12th, early in the morning, I dropped my youngest boy, Adam, off at daycare. And my daughter was at school, our oldest, and I took Nathan immediately to the hospital. Um, there, they had to take another CBC, but this time it wasn't as easy to draw blood. Uh, they had to poke him nearly six times in order for a good blood draw. His blood was dark purple, was, looked very thick, was not normal. And... He was trying to be so brave through it all. I remember I had to call my husband and have him talk to him just to try to calm him down too because I wasn't enough. And we waited and I just knew, I just knew something was wrong. I knew I was looking at either lymphoma, leukemia, or thyroid cancer because his one side was very, very enlarged. I thought maybe it could have been thyroid. But we, while we were waiting for the blood count to come back, we went upstairs in the hospital, and he had a CT scan done. And he absolutely thought that was a blast. He called it going through a big donut. And the doctor came back, and I was on the phone, and I noticed that the doctor looked very concerned. So I ended my phone call, and he told me, and I, was, I thought I was ready. I was like, I'm 99% sure this is cancer. Just hit me with it. <laughs> I thought I was ready to hear it. I wasn't. And the doctor said, unfortunately, this is a leukemia infection. When I finally heard those words, even though I thought I was ready, I was stunned. I thought, no, this is not my life. This is not real. This can't be happening. I just sat there and I nodded at the doctor, just like this. And what seemed like forever, 
And then I just broke down and thought I, it wasn't real. It was a nightmare. This is not happening to me. This is not happening to my five-year-old boy. The feeling initially, I would, even though I was in shock, I just it. I would have to say that feeling had, went on for two weeks. This isn't real. This isn't happening. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and it's just a bad dream. When I could gain some composure, I immediately called my husband and I texted some friends of ours and I texted my family, told them it was leukemia and I things, life seemed to both become a blur and stop at the same time. The next thing I remember is it, it that my husband came with a couple of our friends and we were given our options. We were told that we could either go to Kansas City, uh, St. Louis, Missouri, or St. Jude in Memphis, Tennessee. Those were the three places that would take Nathan and that were equipped to handle his condition and how uh, advanced it was. At this point, we still did not know that he was born with it, but um, we immediately chose St. Jude, knowing that that would be the best for our family. Um, I left with my friend uh, to go pick up our other two kids, and we stopped by my house. I threw things into a couple of garbage bags, didn't even pack. I just threw things into garbage bags, threw them in the back of my car, and we started driving to Memphis while my husband stayed with Nathan. And we were getting updates every once in a while saying we're going to go by ambulance, we're going to leave around 10 at night, uh, and then all of a sudden it's no, we're going to go by chopper. His blood cell, his white blood cell count is rising very high. And then it was, no, it's raising too quickly. We got to be airlifted immediately. And so they went by jet, medical jet. And we ended up pulling into St. Jude in Memphis, Tennessee at the same exact time. We were right behind the uh, ambulance that picked him up from the airport. Memphis, Tennessee from our place is about a six hour drive. We pulled in right behind the ambulance and by this time it was almost 1.30 in the morning. We walk into St. Jude in Memphis, Tennessee and I go up to the ICU floor, which is the second floor, and there Nathan was getting hooked up and we were going over uh, what this all entailed, what all this meant in me being 35 weeks pregnant at this time. I, I was exhausted. I was in shock. And I'm just looking at the nurse who's going over everything, just like I, it was in one ear and out the other. And just like, this isn't real. How can you? And I was thinking, how are you so calm right now? I mean, they see this every day. Of course, they'd be calm. But I, I just couldn't get over how they could be so composed. And even though I wasn't saying anything, I was just, there was a whirlwind going on in my mind where I wanted to scream. The first night was absolutely terrible. Um, we were given some housing by St. Jude uh, on campus by the hospital. It was a small, um, like, two a double room uh, hotel room. 
and we got in there. It was about 3.30 in the morning. I hardly slept anything at all. It was my husband, myself, and our two other children that we have, our oldest, Jacqueline, and our, he was two and a half at the time, uh, Adam. And uh, I was eight months pregnant at this point. So we were expecting child number four in the midst of all of this. We didn't sleep at all that night, that first night. So that first night, none of us slept very well at all. It was myself, my husband, our two other children that we had at the time, uh, Jacqueline, who was seven, and Adam, who was two. I was about to give birth the next month, about a month from when we found out. Uh, my due date was March 17th, and at this during this time it was March. No, it was February 13th, and Nathan was in the hospital. It was the first time we stayed away from him. He's always been with us. Of course, our two other kids were confused on why we just picked up and left and moved out of state for a few months. Um, that next morning, I received a phone call from the hospital and they were saying, okay, we're ready for you. You can come in. And I went in, we all went in and we saw Nathan up in bed and he was getting some procedures done. They were testing his bone marrow. They were testing his blood and his blood, his white blood cell count continued to rise. A bone marrow biopsy is very painful. Now for children, they will sedate them. But they weren't able to fully sedate Nathan because he had so much fluid around his heart from the leukemia. So he was mildly sedated. And he was in pain. You know, they had to do so much. And when he was diagnosed, his white blood cell count was over 100,000. When we got to Memphis, they tested again. It was over 200,000. And the next day, it was over 300,000. And it continued to rise, and they had to think fast. So they started treatment on Wednesday, the 14th of February. And it, they gave him one treatment, and it wasn't working. His blood cell count continued to, to rise. And his doctor was very worried and said that, okay, I'm going to have to give him a second. We'll have to give him a second treatment. They gave him a second treatment, and he said if it did not go below to, uh, 300,000, then they would have to do a third treatment, which could result in dialysis. Dialysis could be anywhere from a month to the rest of his life. So we all prayed. I reached out to people on Facebook and I asked them to pray. And the next morning we found out that it, his, blood, his white blood cell count dropped from 400,000 all the way to 280,000. 280, so they did not have to do a third treatment. Things started to work. The doctor got his blood work over to, he sent his blood work over to genetics to see what, why the initial treatment wasn't working. It turns out it's a very aggressive ALL T-cell leukemia that was written into his DNA. So he was, it formed while I was pregnant with him and he was born with it. The first month we were in St. Jude housing so uh, from February 13th all the way until the first week of March, um, we were about to give, or I was about to give birth to uh, our youngest, Lily. And uh, the housing, there was not enough housing, not enough room for our family. We were about to be a family of six. And so we moved into a hotel. 
we moved into the downtown Sheraton Hotel in Memphis, Tennessee. I booked that place for a month and there I gave birth to Lily and afterward I tried to get a, another month booked but they were so packed with people wanting to come in for Easter that we found a furnished apartment and stayed there until we were able to leave on May 16th and the whole time uh, was very busy um, the, for the first five and a half weeks it was appointments every single day there was no break it was get up at 6.30 in the morning, go in, come back about 5, 6 o'clock in the evening. It was, And then about five and a half weeks in, they said, okay, we can start to give you a day off here and there. And so we got a couple days off here and there. In March, we had family come down to help us because I was about to give birth. About a week before I gave birth to our youngest we had our family come down. It was my brother-in-law and his girlfriend came down to help us uh, with Nathan. And I was planning on doing a home birth in Missouri, just like I did with Adam. But since I was in Tennessee, I did call my midwife. It was one of the first people I called and said, well, I'm going to be giving birth in Tennessee. I can't do a home birth. She ended up finding a wonderful midwife team that was willing to take me on for the last five weeks of my my pregnancy. And so I had them come visit me and we were planning on, uh, there was a couple ideas that we had. We had either I would be able to leave the hotel and go to their apartment at, where uh, it was about 20 minutes south in Mississippi where I would be able to give birth in a home-like environment. Uh, but I go so fast. You know, we had sheets and towels, everything planned for just in case in the hotel room. Sure enough, my water breaks, and then 15 minutes, Lily shows up. Lily is our daughter, our youngest. My water broke. She was born 15 minutes later. Giving birth in a hotel room I guess it's just like I, I've already had a home birth, so it wasn't much different than giving birth at home. Uh, at least I had a nice, clean environment, uh, and it happened so quick. Nobody even knew. Having the three kids and one with cancer, you would think adding a fourth would be chaotic. And somehow, Lily made everything easier. Lily made it. She just brought so much joy. At the time when she was born, Nathan was admitted in the hospital for a bacterial infection. And a couple days later, he was released and he was able to come by and see Lily and meet her. And when he walked into the room, he just, his eyes lit up. He was so excited to see her. And um, he cried. He cried to see his baby sister. After Lily was born, about uh, two and a half weeks later, we moved into a furnished apartment. So we could no longer stay at the hotel. It was, we booked it for a month and other people needed it. There's a big conference going on. So we found a a furnished apartment and we stayed there until the 16th of May. When we found out we were finally able to go home, we were excited. We packed we started packing up everything early, making sure that we would be able to get out of there. I was I took Nathan and Lily to the hospital for his last appointment before we could go home. And we were just waiting for those numbers, just hoping they were over in over a certain uh, count so we could go. And uh, while I was with the two kids at the hospital, Josh was at the apartment packing everything up, getting the kids to put things in boxes. We had sent things home 
by FedEx beforehand because being at St. Jude, they give so much stuff. Uh, we were not able to fit it all in our car. So we were able to get everything packed up and then we just took off. We were excited. We were in Memphis for 92 days. So driving home, once we hit Missouri, we were so excited. We we're like, woohoo, we're back in our home state. And then things started getting so surreal, driving through the nearby towns and cities. And we were about 15 minutes from home. Everything just started to feel like, wow, I can't believe we're actually home again. And pulling up, I turned onto our road and come up to our house. I just started to cry. I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe we were actually home. So I remember shutting off the car and we all went, walked into the house. There were a couple lights on. We had our friend's house set for us. So they would come and take care of our cats and make sure everything stayed somewhat in order. <laughs> and I remember walking in and our two cats were on the couch and they just kind of looked up at us like, where have you been for all these years or months? <laughs> um, and I remember going upstairs with Lily and just kind of cuddling up with her. Couldn't believe we were home. I think, I think we even turned on our TV upstairs for a little while, trying to like, calm down from the ride home. And this was the first time Lily got to see her home. After moving around from hotel to apartment, uh, you know, for months, <laughs> She was finally home. April 4th, which happens to be our oldest daughter's birthday, we received a call from St. Jude. And they said that he was in remission. I mean, they could not find any cancer in his body. So I remember crying. I remember posting an update on... on Nathan's journey, which I created for him, posting constant updates. And I remember uh, going to Jackie and saying, your birthday wish came true, honey. Your, your brother doesn't have, he can't find any cancer anymore. And she was really excited. She's like, what? Really? That's so cool. And the only thing Jackie wanted for her birthday was for her brother be cancer free and that night we celebrated and it was the first time in a really long time where we all had a great day even though Nathan is cancer free or in remission it doesn't mean that he's completely out of the woods yet and if you stop you know with treatments and it just after you're in remission it you can relapse within six months to a year so in order to prevent that from happening, they do something called maintenance therapy. And maintenance therapy means he goes in every week to get his blood tested and for treatments. A certain, you know, there's different medicines they use from time to time. Sometimes he has a spinal tap to make sure uh, that there's no more cancer in the brain because before there was a lot of cancer in the brain a lot and so they they do uh, spinal taps once or twice a month and every Monday it's a different it's a different routine so either he just goes in for a blood test and that's it sometimes it's we're there from 9.45 to 5 o'clock in the evening there have been times where we, we were admitted for a couple days, depending on what the treatment entails. And we have to be very careful with Nathan's temperature, make sure it doesn't go over 100.5. If 
If it's over 100.5, he needs to go to the hospital because it could be a bacterial infection, it could be a nasty virus, it could be something where he needs to be monitored, which is very, even the common cold is very dangerous for him. Because his immune system is very compromised. There was one time he did come down with the common cold and we ended up being in the hospital for five days. This fever kept on spiking, kept on going down to 99, then spiking up to 102, 103. And there's nothing you can do to treat it, especially for a cancer patient. You have to wait it out and you have to just monitor them. So we were monitored in the hospital for five days. Nathan receives a nightly oral chemotherapy and he also receives steroids after certain treatments which are twice a day for an entire week then he has a break for about six days until he starts again he has Zofran for nausea and if he is in a lot of pain he's also prescribed morphine when Nathan was first diagnosed I remember all I could do was pray and I also remember one of the phone calls I made to my husband and I was able to talk to Nathan. He had woken up from a nap and he said that he saw Jesus. And I remember just, I was unable to really keep it together. I said, oh really honey, that's great. And he, then he asked me, am I going to heaven? And Nathan didn't know what was wrong with him. He just knew he was sick and he was in the hospital. He had no idea it was cancer. He had no idea anything. And I couldn't be on the phone any longer. I, I couldn't answer. And, but I knew I would have to. When we got to Memphis, I had to go in and prepare myself to answer all the questions my five-year-old had about heaven. And I remember walking in there and I had to answer all his questions and I had to have that moment with God where I had to say, okay, thank you for five years, if that's it, thank you. and. My faith is very important, and God has been faithful and has healed Nathan, I believe, 100%, and Nathan has, able, has been able to witness it firsthand as well, and I believe it strengthened him, his faith in God as well. His nurses and doctors, his oncologists say that Nathan this whole treatment is not going to affect him as much. Like there's a lot of, there's certain percentages that say it could, uh, it could uh, disrupt learning development skills and things like that. But because of Nathan, the, how well he's been handling this, he's not going to be affected at all. He is, he's very strong. They're very surprised at how strong he is. And, we are looking forward toward the day, to the day where Nathan gets to ring that bell. He wants to ring that bell and have them sing that song to him. At the end of treatment, Nathan will be able to ring a bell. That means that he doesn't need any more treatment at all. He's completely done with chemo, he's completely done with everything. And he'll be able to stand there, ring a celebration bell, and they'll sing a song. Something that uh, St. Jude does and other affiliates of St. Jude will do for the patients who complete treatment is they'll have them stand next to a bell, they'll take their picture and they get to ring that celebration bell and uh, they'll sing no more chemo uh, for you in, in uh, the tune of happy birthday. As Nathan's mother I see all of these obstacles that Nathan has to go through to get to the end I see it as a, an awesome learning opportunity for him, as hard as this is on all of us. 
if he can get through this, he can get through anything. And it's really strengthening him. I can see it um, a lot. There are certain things at times where, if depending on what medication he's on, if he's on steroids, you can't tell him he can't have something. <laughs> um, there are times where he really wants to do something, like he wants to go out and play, but if his counts are too low, he's what is called neutropenic, when your counts are way too low, you can't go outside in, in fear of getting scraped, um, bit by something, uh, you know, getting hurt at all, could end him up in the hospital for a very long time. So there are times when I have to say, I'm sorry, you just had treatment. You can't go outside and play today. Let's try in a couple days. And he has learned to be patient and say, okay, mom, we can go in a couple days. That sounds good. I believe God is preparing Nathan for something amazing. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's going to be something that he's going to do to help others or if it's going to be um, a testimony just for him, but when he, or it may touch others. When others hear his story of the journey that he's been through, I believe it will touch them in a way and strengthen their faith or even bring others who had no faith to believe in God and see his amazing miracles that he's worked in all of our lives. All right, everybody. I, I hope that um, I hope that you found that uh, compelling. I, I hope that it, it's been helpful and informative. Uh, please, prayers for Nathan, of course, greatly appreciated. And once again, if you would care to help, if you want to help, uh, donate to all these mounting costs uh, involved in this years-long process to to get. Nathan back to being totally healthy. Um, there are links in the description below. Dailyrenegade.com slash donate is where you can do that. Uh, and of course, if you haven't already, um, please consider becoming a member of Daily Renegade. Just go to dailyrenegade.com. You can get a membership there, $10 a month or $100 a year. And it comes with all sorts of uh, amazing perks. So, um, but anyway, I wanted to do this video for you guys. Uh, there's no members-only content in this. This is for everybody. Please help share this around. That would uh, really help us out a lot. And thank you for your con continued support. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, and thank you for uh, contributing if you're, if you're able to. Uh, so thank you so much. Until next time, take care. God bless.